What's up, Vikings fans? Welcome to another edition of the Vikings Post Game Report podcast. This is your host, Chris Corso, joined as always by Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson and, of course, the man on the sidelines, Ben Lieber at U.S. Bank Stadium. It was a tough 12 to 10 loss to the Indianapolis Colts, but I think there's a lot of positives to take from this game compared to the first preseason game. We didn't see much uh, from some of the Vikings reserves in that game, but Ben, I'm going to start out with you. What did you see from the starters? I guess we'll start out with the offensive side of the ball. We got to see Kirk Cousins out on the field. He was five for seven in the game with 23 yards. He did take a tough sack uh, in that first quarter, I believe. So what'd you see from the, the QB one in this game. You know, I didn't see a ton, you know, obviously from stats perspective, and I don't think that they were, you know, really asking him to take a lot of deep drops. You could tell it was a, it was a very short menu of options when it comes to the passing game. But what I did like was I just liked how crisp and quick and fast the operation of the offense looked, um, you know, right off the bat. You know, we had we had a first down play, and they went right to no huddle. They went no huddle, right up to line, barked out some calls, and, and went right to the next play. I love the idea of using tempo. I don't think that we did it enough last year. We would mix it in here and there. But that, to me, showed the rest of the league that, that Clint Kubiak is going to use tempo and no huddle in this offense. And he's just kind of putting everybody on alert that, yes, be alert because we can do this now, uh, and you're, you're going to have to prepare for it as a defense. Um, and then we come out with a jet sweep early on too. So I, I think instead of using those as just trick plays here and there, I think, you know, that sort of movement and that sort of explosiveness out of the offense is uh, going to be here to stay. It definitely seemed like the Vikings were able to run the ball pretty well. Uh, six carries, 35 yards for Amir Abdullah with that first unit. But Gabe, any standouts to you on the offensive side of the ball early on in this game? Yeah, I, I think Chad Beebe was a, was a big standout. Um, two catches, 47 yards. He was just – he was wherever the ball was. I mean, even though Kirk, some of his scramble drills well, – I guess that was Jake Browning on a scramble drill uh, to extend the third down. Uh, he was just in phase. And for your slot receiver, all, all you're looking for him is – all you're looking for your slot receiver is to make plays in the middle of the field, make those contested catches or understanding where you're going to get hit. So – Chad BB as well as KJ Osborne, um, a guy who we talked to last week. I mean, we didn't really see much from him last uh, last game. Only had one catch, but this game he only had two catches, twenty seven yards. But still, he didn't have any drops, and the mental errors weren't there. So I think you take that as a win when it comes to um, figuring out who that wide receiver number three is. I, I really enjoy both of those guys' play today, and I think that 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 bodes well for. Um, next week in Kansas City. I, I, I was thoroughly impressed with both of those guys. Well, Ben, I have to ask you about the play of the game and the linebacker position, a position you are very familiar with yourself, Troy Dye. A pick six, the lone touchdown for the Vikings. Uh, it was just an outstanding play, a play that had U.S. Bank Stadium rocking for the first time in a long time. So break down the play. Tell us what you saw. Well, you know, one of those plays, uh, one of those types of plays, you know, the, all the all the credit goes to the guy that everybody sees run into the end zone. But I tell you what, it was a great tip at the line of scrimmage um, by the defensive, defensive. And I'm not even sure who it was. Maybe Weatherly. I'm not even sure who it was, to be honest. Uh, it all happened so fast. And it was limited replays here in the stadium. 
So I didn't get a chance to see who tipped the ball at the line of scrimmage. The ball goes up in the air. Uh, Breland's got great coverage, who, on a side note, had, had great coverage really all game long. I thought he, uh, he had a really strong game. And, uh, you know, he, and, and Troy was just in the right spot at the right time. You know, you got to come down with those plays. Uh, he had a play later on in the game that he got his hands on and, and dropped. So it's not always automatic. You do have to make the play. But uh, he makes the play, uh, makes the right little hesitation cut, and takes it in the end zone. And you're right, man. This place was crazy. I mean, it was lights going off. I was so impressed with the, the number of people in attendance for a preseason game. It, it seemed like almost a packed house, and it was it was loud, man. It, it got loud on third down. It got loud on big plays, and that certainly was the biggest play of the day, and uh, the crowd responded. A 25-yard pick six for Troy Dye, and it seemed like the defense as a whole, Mike Zimmer was definitely a little bit happier when he spoke to Greg Coleman at halftime compared to last week. So, Gabe, what are your overall takeaways from this Vikings defense in this game? I think they showed up and showed out. I think the expectations that we had for the, the front two, the interior D-line, Dalvin Thomas and Michael Pierce, I, I think um, we all left satisfied with the product that they put out on the field today. Um, of course, there, there was a couple of runs that went past three or four yards, but you, you, there was no big gashing place. Eric Kendricks was able to run free. Uh, ben Lieber, you talked to Eric earlier in the day and, and asked him about how – how those two guys in front are, are, are giving him the opportunity to be who he is. And very thankful. I'm sure he's very thankful for those two guys up front. And we saw that today. Those guys were just literally, I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't say literally, but they, I mean, it looked like they were just on, on certain plays. They were just laying on the offensive lineman and just letting the runbackers run and go free. Like there, there's so many times where you can't, there's so many times where you can't figure out what to do as an offensive coordinator because Literally, the, the into your inside zones, your dives, your isos, you, you have to think twice about that. Okay, well, maybe we need to do a sweep. And 99 is not playing yet, but it, it's going to be some, some – I'm, I'm sure offensive coordinators will have nightmares trying to scheme up some runs against this defense, especially after what Michael Pierce and Dalvin Thompson put on film today. So I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with what they did today. Ben, I really enjoyed your interviews throughout the game. As always, I really loved the question that you asked to Adam Thielen, just about the locker room. And with all the outside noise going on about everything that's going on in the world and everyone having different views and viewpoints, can you just describe to the fans your thoughts on his answer about how the locker room has come together? And I believe you related it to your experiences with the Vikings organization as well as a player. So kind of explain what, your takeaways were from that question that you asked and the response that Thielen gave. Yeah, you know, I, I just uh, I know everybody's kind of been dancing around this this topic all off season and especially early early in the preseason just about about COVID and the protocols and people's um, decision making and, and what's right and what's wrong and and um, you know I just wanted to ask him. You know, there there is a certain level of separation and divisiveness, and people having to pick sides in, in the general public and in our society. And I just wondered, has that sort of crept into the locker room? You know, and and how how tight are these guys con- considering the uh, the state of the country that we're in? And you know, he gave a, an, an awesome answer, which I don't think is is lip service. I you know my experience and what I shared with him afterwards was, I think people forget you know, how open locker rooms are specifically in the NFL. And and I know there's diversity in other locker rooms, but there's nothing quite like a football locker room 
where in both college and the NFL, you know, college, you have, you know, upwards of a hundred guys from a hundred different spots in the country for, with a hundred different views in a hundred different backgrounds and personal backgrounds, and maybe, you know, things in their life that shape their life. And, and we all sort of honor that and respect that. And we do have a very open dialogue and we have candid conversations and we poke fun at each other and, and not a lot of things are left unsaid. Um, and I think that that's what we should be getting to more in society. Um, sometimes it ends up in a dust up. Sometimes, you know, guys get heated. But at the end of the day, we're getting our emotions and our opinions out. And that's what he basically said that they've done in the locker room. So he basically told me that, yeah, I hear you with your, what you're asking, but basically you got to remember that we've had these discussions. We have these discussions openly and honestly. And, and we've all come together as a team, and we're unified and respectful of everybody's decisions and where they stand with everything. And I think you know, that's, that was what I was hoping to hear, and I do think that he was truthful in saying that. I really enjoyed that question and the answer from Adam Thielen. Like you said, I don't think it was lip service at all. It seemed like Adam really took that opportunity to talk about the unity in the locker room and the ability to just have conversations, which I think we should all learn from um, this day and age. But uh, final thoughts, Gabe, was there anything that really stood out to you tonight, whether it was a player you were looking to step up in this game? I mean, for me, I saw Surratt, the, the rookie linebacker he had 10 tackles and one tackle for loss in this game so it really seemed like he stepped up and made some plays but uh, that's just my takeaway do you have one player that really stood out to you that you were expecting to show out in this game tonight yeah and just speaking of Surratt before I get to my person he, he should have had an interception on that one play yes. when he had a pass breakup and that yeah. I mean that's just a you know a rookie just doing what he's supposed to do uh, looking at his keys and then just forgetting about the ball. When the game slows down, he, he'll make that. He'll turn his head around and make that interception uh, later on in his career. But great play by Surratt. Um, I, I think Armand Watts is a guy that stood out to me on the defensive line. We, we always talk about uh, Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson. Ben Lieber said it earlier, you can't mention those guys' name without saying the other. It's like steak and eggs. But Armand Watts, you can tell he has stepped up his level of play due, due to the guys in front of him. Um, he was great in, in, run, in, in his run fit today. He got a couple of pressures today. Um, Should have got a sack. I think um, he forced a, uh, a overthrow on third down uh, on, on Jacob Eason. Um, Armour Watts, you, you hear Andre Patterson, you hear all these guys talking about what what Harmon has done this offseason. I think that showed today. Um, he had a pretty good game in um, preseason game number one against the Denver Broncos, but his, his play stood out a little bit more today. And I think that, that, that suits this defense well, understanding that, hey, if one of those other guys get tired, we can put Armin Watts in there and, and not expect that much of a drop-off, if any, because he has pushed himself to the limit. So I, I was I was thoroughly impressed with what he put on film today. He was able – he did a really good job letting Chaser and your Troy Dyes um, roam free back there. Of course, you know, he, he played against a couple of backups, but – hey, all you can do is go against the guys that are, that are put in front of you. So he is a guy that really stood out to me. Of course, he's not going to have the, the the sexy stats, but, man, did he do well today. And I, I, I was highly impressed with, with his play out there today. Ben, who's the player that stood out to you and your final thoughts from today's game? I forgot to say the final thoughts, my bad. I think the one guy that's kind of shined in both weeks is Chris Boyd. And, um, 
you know, there's a, you can see this elevated level of play on the field. And I think that there's this, this cockiness and this confidence that's coming with it. And it's something he certainly did not lack, but you can tell it's, I think it's much more genuine. Like he really is excited about his growth and development and go out there and making plays. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, the article and it's kind of known that he and Patrick Peterson have sort of, you know, bonded together. He's been picking uh, Patrick's brain and, and uh, right from the get-go when Patrick got, got to the team, he let him know that he wanted to shadow him around. He wanted to, you know, kind of take, uh, get taken under the wing and learn everything that he could from the potential future Hall of Famer. And I think you're starting to see it show. Uh, on the other side of it, I, I thought Bashad Breeland, once again, I mentioned him earlier, you know, he may not be making tons of plays. He did have one PBU on a slant in the red zone, but every time I look up or, or look to his direction, he's, he's always in the hip pocket of the receiver. He's always making every throw, every possible throw, uh, a very tight window throw. And, and that's the sort of play that I expect to see him all season long. Ben going with the defensive backs, which is a very good sign for a position that definitely needs some depth compared to where it was and, and where, where it really performed last year. My player, I'm going to go with Amir Smith-Marset. I loved what he brought to the special teams unit. I loved his uh, kick, kick returning and punt returning in this game. He also had a pretty big uh, completion down the field that was uh, taken back by a penalty on the offensive line. But I just love the confidence he plays with. Gabe, I know we spoke to him a few weeks ago um, on, on one of the podcasts, and, and I just think that that confidence is what you need to succeed as a rookie in this league. And with that, let's get your final thoughts, Gabe. Yeah, I mean, to the point of Amir Smith-Marset, he has a, a, a certain type of juice that we don't see pretty often. Of course, J.J. added that juice as a rookie last year for this offense. But Amir Smith-Marset, I think he's going to be very special and put a lot of pressure on some of these other guys that are battling from for some other spots, whether that's kick return, punt return, wide receiver three or four. I, I think... His mindset is that I'm here to stay, and I don't care if I'm a rookie or not. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to push for it. But going into Kansas City, I want to see what these guys, how these guys finish. Last week wasn't wasn't the greatest. Well, it wasn't a great preseason game at all. We saw some guys bounce back this week. We saw a, a Cameron Dancer who was coachable um, make some plays. Um, Rashad really made some plays. He didn't play last week, but he made some plays this week. Now I want to see how these guys finish. Um, we know that the roster will go down from 85 to 80 this week, and then the roster will go down from 80 to 53 after the Kansas City Chiefs game. So who's going to finish strong? And I think with that, the, the final thought has to be is who's going to win that that opposite defensive end position of the Neil Hunter? DJ Wanham, both DJ Wanham and Steven Weatherly, they got some some great snaps in there. They started opposite of each other because Daniel wasn't playing. But I, I want to see who's going to be that guy that makes some plays. They, they both have their own unique skill set. They both um, – they can do similar things like Andre Patterson said, but they also are, are on the – you know, have some – I wouldn't say they, – they basically are unique in their own way also. They, they also have strengths and weaknesses that the other guy doesn't. So I want to see how both of those guys finish. Are you, are you able to put together a back-to-back-to-back week uh, of good game film? before we go into week one or, or not. So it's going to be a lot of a lot of questions that are going to be asked this upcoming weekend. Who finishes strong? I think those will be the guys that, that make the 53-man roster, if not the practice squad. 
I have to ask Ben, what before I let you go, what are you looking forward to most? What's the biggest question mark that you want answered in that final preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you know, along with the kind of the cliched stuff of just of just like competing, you know, you heard you heard Coach Zimmer talk about this this last week is he just wants guys to go out there and compete. And I think that the 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 bulk of the players answered that bell and that challenge today. And I think that's the most encouraging thing. You know, the one thing that uh, I, I want to see is, well, we don't know who's going to play, you know, and and I think that's a big point of contention for me because I think that the starters still need to play. I think you still should treat the third preseason game like the third preseason game of old where the, the starters played. You got to keep in mind you're going to have two weeks off from this last game to the next regular season game. And we have yet to see any one unit play more than what 15, 20 snaps. And I can tell you from a, from a player's perspective, there's nothing like playing in the game when it comes to conditioning and testing yourself. And right now we don't know where these guys are, both offense and defense and special teams are putting together a full complement of plays. I know that you never end up playing, um, you know, 60, 70 snaps in one preseason game. But the conditioning aspect of going from 15 snaps in one preseason to now playing a full a full game, I, I just I think these guys need to be tested a little bit more. I don't want them to uh, to enter this next this next part of regular season and start slow. We have all seen what happens if you go out and you start slow and you're 0 and 2 just because you took it easy on these guys in preseason. Weird stuff starts to happen around the organization when you put together losses. I don't care what point in the season. So um, that's the one thing I caution about. The other thing I'll be watching is just the offensive line. I thought that they were um, much quicker, much more decisive. They, uh, I saw a lot, of, a lot of fast hands on the defensive linemen. When I saw four hands on a guy, they were actually getting some push and getting pushed into the second level. I thought that was very encouraging. Now it's just a matter of who we're going to see out there for the third preseason, preseason game and if they can build off of the game today. Ben, you sound like you want to see Dalvin Cook and Daniil Hunter play. That's, that's the tone. No, no, no. That is the one thing I don't want to see. That is the one thing I don't want to see. I don't want to see Dalvin play in the preseason at all. Okay? I, the, the, guys that go, the guys that go out there and tote the rock as running backs that get hit all the time, okay, I get it. Limit their, their, the number of contacts. Everybody else? Come on, man. Like, as a receiver, you know, you're, you're only getting hit, really, when you, when you catch the ball. So that's, what, a couple times a, a game? You know, yeah. you're yeah, – I don't know. You know, Dal- Dalvin can stay back from, for all I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> but everybody else, they need to go out there and play. Well, it was a game where we saw Adam Thielen play a little bit. We saw some Kirk Cousins. No Dalvin Cook. No 99 Daniil Hunter. And no Justin Jefferson in this one. We will see what happens next week in Kansas City. I have a pretty good feeling that a lot of those guys might sit that one out uh, for the final preseason game this year on Friday night at 7 p.m. Central time. We're on the road. And then we rest up for that first game against the Cincinnati Bengals on September 12th. I know I cannot wait for that, guys. And I thank you for staying with me late here on a Saturday night on the Vikings postgame report. This has been Chris Corso. As always, for Ben Lieber and Gabe Henderson, we will see you next week.